welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all of the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Our panel today is our usual crew. We've got Adam. What's going on, guys? I'm on Twitter, at Adam Barnhart. And we've got Rhiannon. Hey, guys. You can find me as Brooklyn Wallace throughout the interwebs, and my uh, Twitter handle is at Shada Patron. And I'm Caleb. I'm on Twitter at Caleb A. Borchers, Borchers, B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S. And uh, like we said last week, we like uh, interacting with you guys on Twitter. So definitely check it out there. Um, we've been doing uh, some more polls and stuff, so we've been having fun with that. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a been a good time. So, all right, we'll jump on in to our news. Uh, Rihanna, I didn't tell you this ahead of time, but I don't think it'll be a problem. Do you want to talk about the Netflix things that have you super excited this week? Because oh, sure. I felt like about three <laughs> times something happened. You're like, woo! Like I could tell that you were getting you were getting pumped up about Netflix again. Just a little, trying. So, do you want me to start with the news? Yeah, go ahead and tell us what you found. Except I, I didn't write. My notes say Netflix Rhiannon, so um, <laughs> I can look up what happened, but I felt like your memory would be better than my research, so. <laughs> well, I mean, so this week, a lot, finally, I mean, like, basically this week, people realized Daredevil 3 was filming. Um, coincidentally, this week, Daredevil 3 wrapped. Um, well, they'll probably still film another week, as they always do, but the wrap party was last night, Um I was not there. I will make sure they have the correct address for me in future years. But um, so on the Daredevil front, we basically got, well, first thing, the big news, there were set pictures and some of this might be spoilerish folks. So if you're super, super sensitive, I know there were some fans that were really sensitive to spoilers on this front, but there was pictures from set and Charlie Cox is there wearing the black daredevil suit. So we had a return of the black suit. And then it pretty quickly came out. There was some stuff that was on Reddit that our friend Charles Villanueva, uh, that does the supercuts here on our site, but also still works over at MCU Exchange, pieced together somebody from the production piece had basically been posting stuff on Reddit that nobody's noticed and he went back and looked and like everything this person had posted about Punisher season one was correct. And when he looked, so this guy um, confirmed that there was going to be bullseye on season three, which is something that we've always assumed, but there's been in no way confirmed. So there's that old story back that sin eater, there was a character that that hashtag show put together um, they had the character breakdown. They knew it was some sort of villain role and they had guessed it to be sin eater. But basically throughout the week and the hashtag show came out and confirmed that they had gotten news. That character is bullseye. So while it hasn't been confirmed by Marvel, there's enough stuff coming out to be fairly certain that we have bullseye and that bullseye is be is the actual character being played by um, Wilson Bethel. Wilson Bethel is that person that they thought was going to be Senator. So Wilson Bethel as Bullseye in Daredevil season three, the black suit returning. Um, 
and Fisk. I mean, we knew Fisk was going to be in it, but um, there were tweets right this week from um, Vincent D'Onofrio that he's wrapped now his role on it and he's excited about it. Yeah. So he's not just like in one episode or just like in the first two episodes because he was filming in the very beginning, too. So Fisk all season going on. Um, and I mean, if you're interested, the the MCU Exchange had that great article about you know, sort of piecing together what this guy on Reddit had shared. It goes into a little bit of a little bit of the plot type stuff um, and what we could expect in season three. And yeah, so there was a lot for once. I mean, like all of a sudden it was like, hey, Daredevil's filming. Here's some news, which, you know, maybe that means we'll be getting some Daredevil soon. Um. We also got some set pictures of Punisher, dressed as the Punisher rather than Pete Castiglione. Um, so Frank Castle will have his skull in season two. Um, was there any other news? Was there a new Luke Cage trailer this week? Oh, I think that's it. Okay. I mean, I'm excited that we're finally going to get Bullseye. Um, I think one of the things that made it hard to figure out, um, reading some of the background. So Bullseye is one of these characters like the Joker that he has like several origins, but no origin. You know, like there's like kind of stories of where he's from, but we don't really know. And so the sense I got is that it looks like they're taking the ultimate spin on the character. Um, from the Ultimate Comics, if you're not a big comic book person, Marvel kind of created a a side universe for a while where they kind of retold the origins of their characters in a different world, in a different setting. And those characters by the great Bri- Brian Michael Bendis uh, are so... <laughs> Sorry, I just got to mess with Adam. No, the Ultimate Universe has been part of how they've created the movies. And anyways, the Ultimate background to bullseye is slightly different than um the main continuity bullseye and it looks like we're getting that version of it which is why the whole sin eater confusion i think came up was because of that is that is that right adam i mean you know more about this stuff than i do but yeah for the most part you i was gonna say the same exact analogy i was gonna say bullseye is essentially marvel's version of the joker both in tor- terms of origin and kind of character stuff. He just kind of does stuff just because. I mean, there's no, not really any rhyme to reason. He just likes mayhem and, and chaos, much like uh, the Joker. So, yeah, great analogy. Thanks, great man. Think alike. I'm sorry I stole it from you. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So it does seem like we're getting a very particular take that this guy is coming out of uh, he's in law enforcement, but he's kind of a little unhinged and something kind of sends him off. And um, I think that that's going to be interesting to work really well because there's always this conversation in Daredevil, right, about what's the difference between a vigilante and a criminal and a police officer. You know, like where do those things overlap? And so um, they did a lot of that with Punisher where Punisher's like, I do the same thing you do. I just do it better than you do it. And I think it would be interesting for Bullseye to have a bit of a moral center and be like, you know, I was on your side and that doesn't work. And so now I'm just going to do whatever. I... It reminds me what they did with Heath Ledger and the Joker, right? Like Pat Oswalt had that great stuff last week 
about these fan theories that the Joker and the Dark Knight was like a military interrogator who just kind of got lost in the PTSD and all that stuff. Anyways, I think that it'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to be a little better than just, Hey, this is a crazy serial killer assassin. I think it'll make sense to, to bring him out of this, you know, FBI background or whatever. Yeah. And that provides a very quick connection to Fisk since we already know he's in the, the pockets of many agents and cops and such. If they do the angle that bullseye is a hired hand of Fisk this season, I would hope that Bullseye is the true arch enemy, you know, sometime. You know, he's the he's the big bad. I'm not sure if they're going to have him be a hired hand of Fisk or what, but I mean, Bullseye's Daredevil's dude, you know. I was also thinking Rhiannon, if he's an FBI agent, they could tie it back to that Bullseye. Remember that Easter egg we talked about from season 1? Like those possibilities come back into play, I think. Don't stick things in my head that I will get all excited for and they will never pay off. Because I really want that to tie in. I also, my one wish for Bullseye is that Matt Murdock carves the Bullseye in his forehead. That's something that's in the comics. Like, I think it's after... um, I think it's after he kills Karen Page but it might be after he kills Electra or somebody out in a bullseye kills everybody. Um, but at some point Matt is so mad that he captured, he gets down with him and you know, like he can't kill him cause he's Matt Murdock, but he carves the bullseye into his forehead, which I think would be awesome to see, but I'm sure we'll never get. Is that pre or post Colin Firth or not Colin Firth? Colin Farrell. Colin, there's there's a weird I, fan I get those cast two for mixed you. Up. No, Colin Farrell. I get those two mixed up all the time. Um, that was before before the movie. Because Colin Farrell had it in his yes. head, I remember. Yeah, he had so. the scar, but yeah, that was in the comics before the movie came out. Good, because they should not have changed the comics to match that movie in any way, shape, or form. Oh, all right. Um, moving on. We're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news. And if you have not seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this can be spoilery. So go ahead and take your check your timestamps and uh, check out for a few minutes until we get back. Um, first thing is we knew that it, um, I think last week we knew it had been renewed when we did the show. But what we did not hear until after the show was done is that it's not coming back until next summer. So we have like a solid 12 months until we get another S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. And obviously now there are questions if um, Phil Coulson is going to be back or not. So uh, I guess for you guys, are you disappointed about the long layoff? And uh, well, I guess we can talk about Phil a little bit later. But are you surprised that it's going to be this long until we're going to see the show again? I I think this keeps them from having to tie into Avengers. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. Selfishly, I'm upset that we have to wait a whole year. But now that it's going to be post Avengers 4, that opens up a whole new toy box, I guess, of what they can do with the show. You know, I mean, Carol Danvers is going to have her movie then, and Phil knows who Carol Danvers is, presumably. You know, um, 
uh, there's some interesting stuff there. Yeah, I felt like they were hinting at that. Um, that when he gave a speech at his retirement party or whatever, he's like, in my time, I've known a lot of heroes. And I don't know why. I just heard that as like, Carol, Carol, Carol. You know, like, I don't know if that was meant to be there, but I definitely picked up on it. So it will be interesting to see what the timeline is because, I mean, Infinity Wars happening roughly as like the past five or six episodes, you know. So it'll just be interesting to see if, I mean, if there's a time jump with Avengers 4, what are you going to do with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and so on and so forth. But And then they did say, was it Bob Iger that said that it wasn't? They're not thinking of six as the last season. Somebody said that, so even though it's shortened, they're not thinking that it's, uh, that everything plays towards Caleb's streaming service theory, it doesn't really it? really does. Hey man, I'm doubling <laughs> down on this. No matter what happens, it's going to mouse flicks. I am just going to keep saying that over and over again and hope that I'm right, so. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Caleb. That was my first thought when they, when they said, like, next summer i was like oh they're just waiting for mouse flicks well it is interesting i mean the idea of planning it to be a summer show I mean, we've talked about this before it feels like network television is starting to think more in a year-round model like they kind of have to that this thing where like you only do new tv between october and may like Netflix and Hulu are like, we'll put on shows whenever, you know? So I feel like network TV is racing to come up with. And for an ABC exec, if summer's kind of still a dumping ground in their mind from the old days, then shield shields numbers look more impressive. If they're a summer number than if they're a October number. All right. Well, we will, uh, we'll see what's going on there. I think it's going to be really weird. I mean, it should be said, I think, we don't want to miss this is a big change for abc i mean abc started this show whatever five years ago and it was an experiment and then they doubled down on that experiment and added agent carter to it and it looked like they were going to really develop it and uh and then they tried in humans and so when you look at the history and how hard abc um brass has tried to make marvel part of the network lineup to basically say yes next year no point during the main broadcast year will we have any marvel content is kind of surprising you know and there was there was some thought i forgot to put it in the news last week there was some like copyright um claims that had come in that suggested new warriors might be starting to gear up a little bit and some people thought that maybe that would be a surprise at the abc up fronts but there was no new warriors news either so it will be kind of weird to see ABC without a Marvel show for a while. All right, uh, Adam, you shared this with us. Um, Scott Derrickson had a tweet this week in which he used the phrase, in the year and a half that I worked with Marvel, it was a good experience. Um, what was your take on that, Adam? Were you thinking, are you feeling like Derrickson's out? I don't know. It, it's it is peculiar, um, and I mean the first, the top two mentions after that tweet were like, "All right, I'll bait. Are you not working with Marvel anymore or something?" And he responded, and he said something like, "Oh, I didn't mean for it to sound that way." But I mean, it, through Infinity War press, we kind of inadvertently found out that Coogler is back for Black Panther two, 
even though it's not confirmed. Um, As some websites put it, Disney won't make it unless Coogler comes back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's just weird. We've heard virtually nothing about Doctor Strange 2, you know? Um, Not even hints or anything like that. Anything we've heard from Doctor Strange 2 has come from the co-writer of Doctor Strange 1, which would be another case. I mean, if he's out here saying that Nightmare's the villain and spilling all the plot details, you know, maybe maybe he lost himself a job, you know, and he's got, what's his name? Cargill, Robert Cargill, I think it was. Um, So I don't know. It just seemed very weird, odd, peculiar, strange, the uh, verbiage in that tweet with, What's going on? I would assume Strange is... I mean, the box office wasn't terrible, you know? So I wonder... I mean, he could carry his own franchise with the... You know, especially how powerful he was in Infinity War. So I don't... I don't know, you know? Does it make you feel different about his death? That you don't know he has a sequel? Like, with Black Panther, we we just knew there had to be a sequel because of its success. But do you feel there's more of a chance that Doctor Strange won't come back since we don't have a sequel for him laid out yet? I don't know. Benedict's way too big of a star to just give one solo movie to, though, isn't he? I mean, he's got to have one of the biggest contracts in the whole Marvel's table. One would think. I'd, I have no idea. That's just pure speculation. But I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> you know? Um, Derrickson's the, the horror movie director. And there was some saying that Doctor Strange was going to kind of tap into that genre, but it didn't really. I mean, Infinity War was much more scary, I guess, than Doctor Strange, you know. Infinity War at least had, like, jump scares throughout, you know. So I I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Rhiannon, would you be sad if Derrickson was not back for Doctor Strange? I mean, no. I mean... I actually ended up re-watching some of Doctor Strange this week. And it's a great movie, and he did a marvelous job. But, I mean, there's all kinds of different directions that character could go in now that the world is created. And Marvel has no shortage. You know, after seeing what they can do, pulling in somebody like Taika Waititi, and, you know, they have no shortage in finding wonderful directors from nothing um so i would love to see him back but if he's not i'm sure they can find somebody else on doctor strange can still have sequels should he be able to come back from the dead or from the poof if the poof is even really dead back from the poof so See, it's interesting. Derrickson is my is one of my favorite Marvel directors. Like, I love Scott Derrickson, and there's there's a variety of reasons why he's particularly one of my faves. Um, but I think there's a depth to his thinking, and I think he even if you follow him on Twitter, he is a very well read guy in a variety of subjects, including philosophy and religion and stuff. That I think makes him a really good fit for Doctor Strange and provides a depth to the way they talk about magic that other directors might not do as much. And so this would really bum me out. I'm really hoping that it's just a, an unusually worded tweet because uh, I would be very sad if we did not see him uh, come back, particularly before 
Um, it's kind of hard to remember, but before Black Panther, Doctor Strange was the biggest MCU solo movie box office of any. It made more money than Iron Man. So you would think that would be enough success to keep you going, you know. And it may simply mean that they have not started Doctor Strange. I mean, that, that they haven't started it, that they have enough that if there is a sequel to Doctor Strange coming... It's still six months away from starting or, you know, starting production of any variety. And that seems very believable right now that that if they're doing that, they have enough stuff going on and it's just he's not currently working on it. And, uh, you know, I mean, for that matter, you know, John Watts, who did Spider-Man Homecoming after that movie came out. Right. You get the sense that, yeah. you know, Watts yeah. wasn't hanging around the office. Like, he directed the movie, he came in, he did his job, they put it out, he did media, and then he went off and did something else for a while, and that he's going to come back around to do the sequel, you know? It's, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree that I think that there's a chance that it, we're making way too much of this. Speaking of people getting hired by Marvel, uh, Eternals now apparently has some screenwriters. Um, my take on this is that now we have to take seriously that this movie's going to happen. Um, how do you guys, I mean, how do you guys feel like this fits in the universe? I mean, I was really happy to write this off as like a rumor by websites that didn't know what they were talking about. No offense meant websites that I'm talking about, but you know, like, I don't know. It it felt kind of weird and fake. And we talked about how it came right upon Ava DuVernay talking about new gods. And so... It felt like not happening, but now it feels more real. What place do you think that movie is going to have in the universe? I I really don't see it uh, attaching itself to the rest of the MCU, I guess. Um, I mean, the, the Guardians, you know, it's kind, it's kind of like that. I don't. It's just kind of like a Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings space family opera type thing you know i have i have no idea how it's going to translate into an actual movie um but i thought the same exact thing about guardians so i mean it's a comic property they could do whatever they want with you know just because it's not super well known it does strike me as being like guardians in that um when they said, hey, we're making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, that was the only Marvel movie. I was like, ugh, really? And so this is this is now the second time I'm going, really? Uh, so, I, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the Eternals, Rhiannon? I'm just, this is getting real enough that I need to figure out what the heck the Eternals are. <laughs> so, that's my main thoughts on it. Yeah, you're not alone in that. I mean, are they, and that's the other thing. Are they going to involve Josh Brolin and Thanos with that? Because, I mean, Thanos is an eternal, and it's kind of like Thanos' family of sorts, sort of. Um, yeah, I don't... It'll be interesting to see, depending on what happens in Avengers 4. I don't... I don't know. My thing is, from what I know of the property, it seems like it, it needs to be a little more serious than the other Marvel stuff. And so, I mean, the movie that it strikes me of being possibly most like would be that first Thor, right? They tried to do the Kenneth Branagh, like Shakespearean take on Thor. 
And what's interesting is that didn't totally work. And so over time, Thor shifted from Kenneth Branagh to Taika Waititi, right? Like, it was like, hey, we couldn't do this as more of a, like, serious Shakespearean drama. So we kind of moved it to more just goofy, you know, Flash Gordon craziness. And I just wonder if they're going to dip their toe in that one more time to try to say, hey... Marvel movies are so quippy. What if we tried a Marvel movie that has no, that doesn't have any jokes in it, that is more serious and, you know, dramatic? And I'm already kind of hating that. I'm one of those shallow bozos. I like jokes in my movies, okay? And so even like Black Panther, like, you know, there needs to be some fun to it. And if I get a DC, as as John Schnepp calls it, a DCFU movie. In the Marvel Universe, I'm not I'm not excited about that, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, next bit of news. Uh, our favorite word has returned via Simon Kinberg. He was asked about X-Men Dark Phoenix this week, and his quote was, It's a movie that involves extraterrestrial characters, which is not something that we've done in the X-Men franchise before, and it's something that's a huge part of the Dark Phoenix saga in the comics. The tone is, I don't know if I'd say darker, but it's more intense. It's more real and grounded and hopefully more relatable, a little less operatic than we've been in the past. Um, has there ever been good news on Dark Phoenix? Does this just feel like we're just marching? Am I the only one that's totally depressed about this movie at this point? There, or That's exactly what we needed. You introduce a bunch of aliens and you keep the movie grounded. I mean, I, I don't get it. How could that go wrong? <laughs> I mean, just hire Scott Buck to direct the thing. How about, you know, like just he's great at grounding aliens, you know? When, when I read the headline, I just imagined since the scrolls are kind of envisioned, envisioned being in Dark Phoenix. I mean, I would guess we see like a, a scene of the scrolls as they're green skinned, wrinkly people. And then the rest of the movie, they just look like humans. You know, it's that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. It's the G word, man. I, what I'm trying to figure out, I, I don't even understand how this makes sense in Simon Kinberg's head, right? He goes, we want to be faithful to the comics. We want to make this the most faithful X-Men movie that we've ever done. We want to be more faithful than X3, which was a disaster. And so we're going to be real faithful. We're going to bring in aliens and... And we're going to make it less operatic and more grounded. And it, all it says to me is you've not you haven't read the comics. There is no way to take a story that has the star jammers and the Emkron crystal and Xavier having an intergalactic love affair with the princess of a, you know, foreign society. Like, how do you see all that stuff and go, well, what we really need to do is make sure we strip it of all that operatic stuff and then say we're being faithful to the comics like. This man has no idea what he's doing. I just, there's no way that this can inspire confidence in anyone. Well, and what it says to me is he's been selling this to executives. You know, he's been selling this to the studio or to executives or something that have looked at it and said, okay, why did the previous movies not make Avengers money? And they've done studies or whatever. And they're like, people can't relate to them. So he's gone, you know, Selling to them, we'll do something that people can relate to. It'll be grounded. And uh, that's what it says to me. 
is that he's trying to please all sides. And that word cannot be coming up as much as it does if somebody is not asking for it. It, it does make me wonder if, if anybody's paying attention. Like, did any of these executives see how Thor Ragnarok did versus how Justice League did? I mean, those movies literally came out in the same month. And one of them tried to, like, ground and be realistic with their characters. And one of them was like, hey, let's go bonzo crazy. And which one of them did better? You know, like, how you can miss the point this much at this point, I, I don't understand. I mean, Fox has always been like that, you know, with the the singer leather get-ups and stuff like that. I get that's how that kind of started out with, you know, let's ease everyone into the the genre with somewhat relatable outfits, you know. But now that we have all sorts of stuff, you know, I mean, now that we know superhero movies can actually do comic book stuff with costumes and things like that, it's... Unless you're talking about Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones or some other Turk Barrett, you know, grounded shouldn't be in your vocabulary, you know. Did you notice that you just named three Netflix shows and left off the fourth? Because this is a perfect example. Iron Fist should not be grounded like that, right? It's kind of Doctor Strange magic. He, He kills a dragon. I mean, come on. You know, it's... I don't, I don't get why people want their superhero stuff to be grounded unless they're street level. I mean, Spider-Man is someone I could maybe see grounded. You know, he's not a cosmic space pirate. He's not an alien, you know, but I don't. Why are you guys trying to make aliens grounded? Aliens aren't relatable and they never will be. I mean, to some people they might be. Well, but there's a relatable element too. I mean, and any story for people to enjoy it they have to relate to it in some regard and i think they're reaching and trying to find that relatability and latching onto the wrong thing simon kimberg also said that um they're working on a gambit movie but i refuse to talk about gambit movie on this podcast (laughs) until i see set photos because i don't believe it's ever ever going to happen so I was just going to say, that's like the, I. it's just like a fan casting movie or something, I don't know, it's like he was scrolling on Twitter and saw someone Photoshop Channing Tatum as Gambit, and he's like, I'm sold, we're doing this movie no matter what. No thought was has been put into that casting other than, I, I don't know, man. You want bad accents. That will have an all-time... Channing Tatum trying to do a New Orleans accent. It will just... Every time he'll open his mouth, I will laugh. I just... It's it's not going to be good. All right. um, The other quick news things I was going to mention. I don't think there's a lot to discuss. Um, Luke Cage's soundtrack has been revealed. I'm going to attempt to read the names who are on the soundtrack. If I make any mistakes, please... uh, Forgive me, I, I don't listen to this music all that much. Uh, Luke, the soundtrack's going to include Ghostface Killa, Rakim, Joel, and D-Nice, Gary Clark Jr., Esperanza Spaulding, Chris Stone, Kingfish Ingram, Stephen Marley, Jadakiss, and KRS-One, as well as a return of Faith Evans. Adam, you got any of those you're super excited about? Uh, no, I totally missed this news. Now I'm trying to find the, uh, soundtrack somewhere. I think the, uh, 
the first two I have cameos or something I saw in an art spoiler alert by the way someone EW had pictures of them actually appearing in the show kind of like how Method Man did last year I'm excited to like I'm not going to go look these up and create a playlist because I just don't do that I don't have Spotify and stuff but uh, I'm excited (laughs) to see I mean like I did after Luke Cage last year I was looking up songs I was looking up stuff and like playing it every now and then had songs stuck in my head so i'm excited for these earworms to come to me or you know to hear what it is but i don't seek out music i just don't it comes to me i forget who it was now whoever did all hail the chief in the exactly first season. i've listened to him quite a few times now after that season so hopefully there'll be something on here that'll spark my interest and give me something to to listen to on spotify so I think it was Long Live the Chief. Yes. That's it. That I heard as Long Live the Cheetah. Because <laughs> he says Long Live the Chief. Uh. And I, yeah, anyways. Somebody else helped me look All right. that up. <laughs> Long Live the Cheetah. <laughs> All right. Um, we also had um, some Captain Marvel casting. Um not too much information about who they're playing, um, but we do know that uh, McKenna Grace is coming on. I think she's going to be a young Carol Danvers. Also, Anna Ayora is going to be in the movie, as well as uh, Vic Sahai. Sahay, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. He is a Indian-Canadian actor. Um, I don't have any thoughts on this, except... Um, it would really make me happy if somehow this character played by Vic Sahay is a lead into Miss Marvel. I don't know if that makes any sense, uh, just totally on the ethnicity. I understand that India and Pakistan are different places. I just don't know if they're going to be that specific in their casting. Um, but yeah, that would be cool if that was a intro to that. If that was like, I don't know, Miss Marvel's dad is a young man or something. Um, and finally on the box office stuff, uh, Deadpool 2 came out this weekend, I think 135 million or so. I think it just did a little bit better than the first Deadpool and, uh, Avengers continues to rack up money, but they are starting to lose ground to Black Panther in the domestic. So my prediction is they will not end up as high as Black Panther on the domestic total. And it just came out. It just popped up on my phone that Deadpool 2 did get more at the box office this weekend than event than Infinity War. So it's finally not the top of the box office. Yeah, yeah, Infinity that was that was bound to happen. I think they only made like twenty five or thirty million this weekend for Infinity War. So uh, it does strike me when you look at. So I like to do the day by day comparisons. Uh, box Office Mojo is great about this. They'll show you like um, what Black Panther and Avengers and Infinity War did on the first day of their first week and the second day of their second week and kind of break it down like that. And you can see where Marvel was smart to move up Infinity War because Deadpool has taken some wind out of its sails. And I'm sure that Solo next week is going to take a bunch more. And so, um, yeah, you, you want that space and the summer is so crowded. There's a reason why the top four all-time domestic movies came out in December, 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 and February because it helps to not have competition until May, so... Rhiannon, let's talk just a little bit about Legion. We've talked about how this is a difficult show to try to do any kind of review for. Uh, Here's my question for this week. 
did you like the giant tar bird? Like, did you like that effect or was it kind of weird? I, I mean, I would be perfectly fine without that ever in my life. I won't be seeking out to watch it again or anything. To me, it, it, it was nice to sort of finally wrap up a little bit of the anxiety and that little, like, hopefully this will be the end of seeing the little creepy oil lizard that slithers around and into people's ears and stuff. I'm hoping, is that what, where, where we are? With the... Well, yeah, I think there's still the question of where it comes from, if it's by itself, and if so, it's just a weird distraction, or if Shadow King kind of made it, or if Baskethead made it, or, which by the way is, I don't know his name, but Baskethead is what I call him, you know, like, we still don't see, I don't feel like I, let me put it this way, if we're done with it, I don't feel like there's been adequate payoff for that element. I just want it done, because that's just like, whenever that comes up, I I, I have to look away and like not think, and I'm just like, the little thing crawling in ears and stuff, like, I already, like, have issues with, like, thinking things might be crawling in my ear. So, like, I don't like that whole plot line. <laughs> now, I'm trying to remember, didn't one of those things crawl in David earlier this year? Because there was, like, a scene of David and Sid in bed together, and there was, like, the black slither coming towards the bed. Maybe? I don't remember. I mean, I knew there was one in Sid, but he got that out. Just like Thanos plucking out an infinity stone. He just pulled it right out of their foreheads, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember now. I have noticed with this show, I feel like the cast is too big at this point. Like, this whole, we went this whole episode without seeing Jermaine Clement at all. Oh, yeah. And then, um, what's her name? The the uh, the older woman? Is it? That's like, Yes. Has she has she been in four of the eight episodes this year or three of them? She's got the weird like Minotaur thing going on, but there's been no explanation. I, I just I kind of hate that characters uh, the carries were really big early on. I don't think we've seen male carry in two episodes now. You know they just like disappear for time on end. Yeah, I mean I don't mind so much because it means we have episodes where we don't have to think about everything that's going on. You know, I, I've enjoyed the character-centric episodes. It's less to keep up with, but I won't remember. Like, I almost forgot. Like, the Carrie situation, have they worked it out? Or is she still trying to figure out how to be on the outside? That's still an issue, right? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah I can't remember. That's that's going to be a problem. Maybe, maybe not. The nice thing for the writers is this show is so disorienting that if they drop something, we won't remember. Yeah. Whatever. You know, like we've talked about, we're not spoiling Adam right now, even though he hasn't seen it, because, you know, giant tarbird. <laughs> what are you talking about? That sounds bizarre. It's like, was it, the thing that bugged me is it felt like it was claymation. Did it seem like claymation? Was that a digital effect? Or did they do that, like, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? <laughs> they brought in the South Park folks, and they... <laughs> probably alright well that wraps up Legion for this week <laughs> sorry guys we're trying, we're trying guys really we really are 
All right, let's talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We got the season finale. Uh, we'll just do our usual quick. What'd you guys, what'd you th- Adam, what did you think? Are you feeling good about how the season wrapped up? I am. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. It was probably the most emotional episode we've ever gotten. If not, definitely one of the most emotional Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes. Um... I love the effects, how Daisy used her uh, her powers to momentarily fly. Like that very yes. short sweep, because their fight only lasted like a minute. You know, the actual fight didn't last too long, but I thought the visual effects, that whole scene were good. And they did kind of like some Superman, Captain Marvel type stuff, you know, flying up against the buildings and slamming down in cement. And we definitely haven't seen that on uh on the show before i love the visual effects um i thought it felt like the end of man of steel except good (laughs) it was like the good version of man of steel it's what man of steel should have been um yeah it was very superman-esque um apparently graviton's very easily defeatable or much easier than i thought but now daisy's on steroids um so that kind of explains that. I to be it, fair, creating enough force to send him into orbit is probably difficult, right? Yeah, like, well, it's not yeah, easy to yeah, create yeah, enough yeah. energy to propel someone in yeah, outer space. Yeah. Okay, so easy was, it was just anticlimactic a little bit. I anticipated kind of a, a bigger fight, but once she, she took the orange juice, you know, she just one blast and he was gone and they it looked like they borrowed the ebony maw effects actually it looked like very similar to how ebony maw did and even yondu but i guess i'm not sure how many different human icicles effects there can be but yeah i i I thought it was a really good episode um it made me realize that i hate time travel plots because it took away from the biggest death um so yeah, I, out of ten, I would say probably eight and a half, nine. I really like this. I one. mean, but those five minutes, those five minutes that we thought that death was real, were devastating. If there was a time to be shook this season, it was those five minutes. Yeah. Just the way Ian was acting, you know, Fitz was being Fitz, even though he apparently got cut in half they didn't really show it but that's kind of what i gathered or at least he was i don't know it was kind of weird that they didn't show how he died yeah and that too just like for him to have died that way i don't know it was just kind of yeah it was an odd death yeah well and it was real clunky they tried to do the little fake out with like the in remembrance plaque Mm -hmm. yeah but to me, that actually that hurt everything, because then when they're like, you know, when when Coulson's like, oh, it's for me, and say goodbye to Fitz for me, I'm like, wait, is Fitz still alive? Did he survive yeah. that or not? And I like what they did better than when I thought that he actually survived that. But it's, it, it was very clunky. I thought like it was they tried to like fake you out, but really it just felt like they kind of mishandled the whole thing. And I so. thought maybe they just weren't going to tell Coulson. Like the you know Fitz is dead, but let's not ruin the end of Coulson's life by 
giving him this bad news. <laughs> they were just lying to Coulson. That's awesome. <laughs> I thought it seemed really odd, but, you know, I was running with it. Coulson's like an old man with dementia, like, just don't yeah, tell Grandpa. Yeah. He's going to pass soon, and he yeah, won't yeah, know anyway. Yeah, your love. <laughs> sure. Hey, Phil, don't worry. We already killed Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chicago? This is going to be one of those things that continuity people are going to hate. That a giant alien spaceship landed and destroyed Chicago. And it doesn't show up at all. And it's pre-poof, as far as we can tell. So, like, I'm supposed to expect that Cap is on the plane flying to Wakanda. And he heard, hears on the radio that a giant space shuttle destroyed the Sears Tower. He's going to be like, oh, we're too busy for that, fellas. Like... That's going to be a problem in the continuity forever. <laughs> That's actually where Hawkeye was. He was forming the Great Lakes Avengers to protect Chicago. <laughs> Maybe that's and that's where like Fury was trying to decide where to go. And he was just like stuck in Ohio. Like, do I go to Chicago? Do I go to New York? Do I go to Chicago? Do I go to New York? Oh, crap. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me ask this question. Should this have been the series finale? I'm not sure if it should have been, but I think it would have been a good series finale. I would have liked it this episode better than last year's series finale. This kind of just summed everything up. I mean, if the series ended now, everyone would. I mean, at least I would think, okay, Coulson's dead and Fitz, they'll probably find Fitz because they're S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, that's, that's what I would have thought if the series ended yeah that's i mean i think i would have been okay with this being the series finale i it wouldn't have been like the best series finale i mean i think like you said it was clunky if they had done it a little bit cleaner and the and jed whedon has actually come out and said like they got screwed up by the infinity war release date changing that they had different plans for tying into Infinity War or for doing certain things, but the release date moving screwed up some of those plans. So I'd really be interested in seeing what they, how they had intended for everything to go. And um, if it was clunky because of that change. Yeah, I mean, this is one more piece of ammo to me for the they should go ahead and disconnect these shows, people. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is just another example of something where um, last minute the movies made this change and the TV people, there's no way if you know how TV works, the TV people could reasonably be expected to prep for a change to a movie release date that happens five weeks before the movie comes out, you know. For season six, or should we let him... Uh, go off into the sunset. I mean, Coulson makes such a strong argument for not coming back. I mean, he himself has been making the argument of, I've come back from the dead already. We've done this plot line. I mean, I can't imagine the show without him. If it's not him, they need another father figure. I can't take the, is Mac in charge? Is Daisy in charge? I mean, they seem to be leaning towards Mac being in charge, but Mac has not wanted to, like, Mac has said so many times that he's leaving S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I don't know. 
if Phil comes back, I think that would open up some more, not necessarily plot holes, but, I mean, wouldn't Robbie be wanting to come back to kill Phil? Because that wasn't that part of the deal with the devil type stuff, that Phil was using some voodoo types, or, you know, I don't, I guess that's what I read from his, Coulson's deal with Ghost Rider was he needed to get the unnatural stuff out of him or whatever. Yeah, I could never tell if that was, that was like voodoo medicine to me. It wasn't so much that like he wanted him to die, but like the natural effect of having the Ghost Rider would be that it would make the stuff in his heart burn out. I don't know. It, it's a, it, you're right. It's a plot hole in that we don't have any idea what really happened. But, I mean, they did clear up a decent amount of stuff this season. You know, the Robin stuff, Graviton, finally. You know, um, now season six is going to be dealing with Daisy going crazy drawing symbols on the walls. That was Cree blood, though, right? I thought she should be blowing up. Didn't, uh, what's his name? Bill Paxton. Wasn't that why he was drawing stuff? Or did he have Cree blood, too? Uh, man, this would require me to remember the first season of the show. I think he did both. He was going after the Cree blood and he had the centipede serum, but we, but he was able to do it because Jaying helped him to heal. And that's why he didn't blow up the way the other people blew up. But that's the same serum from Iron Man three. Is this, is this right? I don't know. I don't remember anymore. And I'm not going back and watching season one of the show. So, (laughs) Yeah, it's very I, confusing. I can't keep that much straight on this show. Doesn't May's final destination seem really macabre here? Like, hey, you and Phil have your little honeymoon stranded on this island. And then one day you're going to wake up and he's going to be dead. And then you can bury him and then hitch a ride on a dolphin out of there. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed a little bizarre to me. Maybe they're at a sandals resort. I don't know. <laughs> I assume she has a phone and she could call for a jet to pick her up. At bare minimum, she probably has a pager because we know Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. have pagers. Or she has a visa card and she can get a ticket at a commercial airline. But I still like also like I think of Tahiti like Tahiti was where Phil was tortured. I mean... It was referenced a lot, Tahiti, it's a magical place and all of that. But, like, when that plotline played out, it wasn't a magical place. It was something to hide the fact that he was being tortured. So, why would you want to go spend your last days somewhere that you were, you know, that's associated with that? But your uh, sandals comment is totally headcanon now. (laughs) Because I'm picturing, like, when Michael from The Office gets back, he has, like, the sandals t-shirt on and the Hawaiian print shirt. Yeah. So that's how May's going to show up in season six, I hope. Yeah. Man, sandals resorts have kids. I'm at least hoping they're at an adult-only resort. I wasn't the only one thinking Phil's bucket list item was going to take kind of a weird turn, was I? I guess I didn't think of parasailing as his last thing on his. No, that was that was double entendre. They were talking about something else. Okay. Which, if I may, freaks me out, because 
I, I said this in our conversations. Phil's going to die on her, like literally die on her. And how creepy would that be <laughs> to be in the middle of that situation? And then somebody <laughs> dies like this is it's very terrifying to me, you know, like, oh, it's gross. I don't know. That just seems to me like a uh, not something I would be excited about. <laughs> I mean, does May have fear? I mean, is this... She's so, like, outwardly strong. Like, is she, like, immune to fears of Phil dying mid... Relations? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It just, (laughs) it's, again... The idea of a romantic getaway where you're going to wake up next to a corpse at any given moment is just yeah. not it's just not high on my list. I kind of don't when they come back, I almost want them to already have fits. I'm not sure if a, a season of them traveling space to go find Enoch is something I'm too excited about, but Yeah, I'm with you. I I would be happy if like Avengers 4 does something major, like some something major major change in time or whatever. And it just keeps them from having to explain a lot of things. But we have plenty of time. We have Jack Hammer in the um, in the comment section of the live stream. And uh, he's excited about more Enoch because I know he really loves that character. Uh, he also made the comment, which I know is an answer to our question about the serum, but I don't think it will help us. He said they stopped blowing up when they harvested Scorch's palette, uh, platelets. I don't know who Scorch is, and I'm not sure how you harvest yeah, his platelets, say, but... <laughs> I'm sure that's the technical answer to how they stabilized the uh, centipede uh, serum. So, <laughs> Sounds great, Jack. Thanks. I, I love people that were able to keep that stuff straight because I, I can't. So. All right, let's move on to our main conversation, which is Deadpool 2. So Deadpool 2 came out this weekend. This is our first uh, film on the podcast that's not an MCU movie for us to review. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you guys have seen this movie. I'll just ask this. Did you like it as much as the first one? No, but not by a wide margin. I mean, it was enjoyable for me. The first one just had, like, it's... I don't know. Your first time. But, um... So just barely beneath the first one. Yeah, I would say the same. I mean, the first one, as boring of a plot it was, it actually kind of did have one. Um, I didn't laugh near as much as I thought I was going to the second time around. I'm not sure if I matured that much or if I just didn't think it was super, super funny. I don't know. But yeah, I, I mean, I didn't like Deadpool 2 a lot less than the first one. Still pretty solid. So I'm not a big fan of the first one, but I did like the first one a lot more. And it kind of leads into that second question I had of kind of humor, right? Like these movies are really based around the fact that they're supposed to be funny and they have kind of a, um, for better, lack of a better term, like a Simpsons family guy, kind of like fast paced, like just like they throw a thousand jokes at you and hope that you laugh 500 times, you know, that kind of a thing. I did find, I just, uh, I just didn't find it as funny. The humor didn't land as much for me. And so I think that was 
that was a little frustrating. I think some of it was um, I felt the heart and the emotion of the first one a lot more than this one. Like the serious parts worked for me better than the serious parts did in this one. So the humor was a relief. Whereas this whole movie, I just, uh, the tone for me was just off. Like I felt like they couldn't make up their mind about whether I should take stuff seriously or not. I don't know. The first one is very conventional, I think, in some ways. And that's kind of its plot and the relationship, all that stuff. What about you, Rand? Did you find the humor worked for you or was a little scattershot? Uh, yeah, for me, it was a little scattershot. Like, there were some just, like, quick glimpses of things and all of that that... I don't know. I... But that's the Deadpool humor. I mean, as far as some of it, as far as I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of the part where he's growing back his legs, and they're all standing there, and it's like you've made the. Jo- oh, sorry. No, you're fine. We're <laughs> not doing spoilers. Okay, into spoilers. But I mean, there, the, there's that point where he's growing back his legs, and it's like, okay, you know, the joke's obvious. We know exactly what they're all going for here. It's the same thing they did in the first movie. They're doing it from a different angle. You know, they're they're standing around. They've made the joke. Okay, now they're going to make it a different way. And I mean, it's the same as the first movie, but I guess it's just for me like that. There are some people that that humor they can watch all day and all night and they will laugh every single time. And for me, like after I've heard the same joke about three times, I'm done. So... Um, yeah, that, that's sort of how I feel about the Deadpool humor. But then, I mean, like it came through and it did make me laugh out loud several times. I think one of the things, and I've been trying to think out how to say this for the last two days, and I don't know if I have a good way, but, um, I don't mind kind of fourth wall referential kind of humor. Like, um... The jokes in the last one about the superhero landing is like, oh, here comes a superhero landing. They do it. And he looks at the camera and goes, that's bad on your knee. Like, that's fine. That's funny. I like those. But then when they joke about the film industry, it it takes me out. Like, I don't know. It feels like there's jokes within the universe. And then there's jokes that are totally fourth wall breaking where they like make jokes about um, whether it's other Marvel movies or the DC films or... Uh, just Hollywood in general, where for me, it slaps me in the face and goes, hey, you're watching a movie, you know, like you're not in this world. This world isn't real. He's making references to the real world. And for that, I don't like those because it kind of every time that happened, I was suddenly really aware that I was in a movie chair and that I had, you know, nachos on my lap or whatever, you know, like it's uh, I find that very off putting every time. And they did it a lot. Right. There was like at least half a dozen MCU jokes um, in that movie, which I found to be kind of off putting. Do you guys feel that way at all or do you not mind them? I don't mind them. I mean, it was very entertaining. I mean, those were probably some of the more I thought were probably some of the more funnier parts. Um, what were the ones that I could think of? Um, the DC one was pretty humorous. The Winter Soldier one, I liked that. I didn't mind the Winter Soldier one. I mean, to me, that was just like, okay, he's in the same world as Winter Soldier. Or he's in our world. I mean, he watched the movies. 
Um, the DC, the, are you sure you aren't from the DC universe one? I'd really hoped that was just one that they threw in the trailers and that wouldn't actually be in the movie. But so when that happened, I was like, uh, okay, I guess they I had to. I suppose the other one that was, I thought was, well, the Caleb, you had to like the, uh, Rob Liefeld joke, didn't you? I did. <laughs> when he said he was created by a guy who couldn't draw, couldn't feet, draw feet, I was yeah, like, that's the was... worst part of Rob <laughs> oh, Liefeld. Yeah. He cannot draw feet. So that was another good one. And then when they finally saw Juggernaut, how he started referencing like Juggernaut's first appearance in the comics and all that stuff, I thought that was that was pretty solid. So what to you, what did land the best? Like, did you have a particular joke or a particular bit that was your favorite out of the movie? I really don't. I really kind of barely remember it. I, I honestly, the post credit scene yes. is what I remember the most. That yes. that's like the whole movie was for that. Probably the best post credit scene in the history of post credit scenes. At least up there. We'll get there in a sec. I really liked the um, I liked the opening credits, quote unquote, where they did like the Bond style credits, and they you know they made all the references like instead of like. Um, Fox presents. It was like a studio that will soon not be Fox, or something like that. And the director, like from the guy who killed John Wick's dog, like there was so many. Uh, I don't know. There was something about that that I had a lot of fun with. Uh, I thought that was. I don't know. That part I enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed that. That's where like people. I tweeted after the movie about you know my favorite part being the guy in the theater next to me that explained every joke, especially when it was the same joke over and over. That was the, when the credits started rolling. He was like, that's a James Bond thing! And then, like, the next one, he was like, that's a James oh, Bond gosh. thing! And, like, it totally distracted the whole credits I, for me. I would have ruined the movie. I would have slapped him. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> oh, he, was, he was several seats down. And it was, like, one of those theaters with the recliners and everything. It would have been really hard to get over and slap him. But... If it had been the guy right next to me, I'd have, I would have, like, turned and asked him to please shut up. Why do people talk in but movies? I, Maybe I'm just a grumpy... I went to... We went to... um, We had this when we went to Wrinkle in Time with my daughter. The guy behind me. Oh, that's Oprah Winfrey. No, duh, idiot. It's on the poster, <laughs> you know? Like, it was in the opening credits. Will you shut your yap and let me watch this movie? And then, like... Oh, there was like little things where he's like, oh, they're going to go to that scary place now. And I'm like, yes, there was foreshadowing. Like we all know. Do you, I don't know. I guess his wife is a moron or something because he was <laughs> describing everything that was happening in the movie. I am off topic now. All right. No, but it, but that's where, but that, yeah. I mean, like I loved that the guy had to explain it and then it was the exact same reference over again and he had to explain it again out loud I'm, I'm like here have a cookie congratulations you caught that they did the same reference <laughs> here's and a so, cookie <laughs> instead of like paying attention to the rest of the intro credits I was like thinking of how much that guy irritated me which I let him I let him in my uh, head Caleb no, I'm you're... sorry <laughs> <laughs> alright um, so we've been <laughs> spoiling things anyways uh, so uh, don't worry about it um, alright X-Force there was a lot of talk about them adding Shatterstar and all these other characters, and then they immediately killed them. Was that good to you, or is that a waste? That was fine with me. Well, and then, I mean, they came up with a way to bring them all back, so. 
that might have been not that scene but i just like the whole it's windy out kind of subplot <laughs> how they drug that on way longer than necessary but i thought that was I mean, what was that guy's name peter peter was awesome but the rest of them i mean the important one the ones that needed to survive survived so that's good yeah i guess my thought maybe i'm being too serious about this we you know wherever you talk about comics every character is somebody's favorite character and so there is at least three or four people in america who are huge shatterstar fans that went to this movie <laughs> and were massively disappointed right that like and I guess I'm a little torn because I love it when you play with this stuff a little bit. But to me, there's a thin line between playing with your source material and being flippant about your source material. And I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just too serious. It just, I don't know. It's kind of flippant to me, you know? It's like, hey, here's these characters that people remember from their childhoods and we're just going to kill them because they don't matter. <laughs> and... It's kind of true, you know. I guess you deserve it if you're a Shatterstar fan, but I want to be kind to people, or you know, I don't know. And I mean, like to like to twist the knife for them a little bit more. Like Louis Tan has been, you know, interviewing or you know, like traveling. I see him hyping a lot that he's in this movie, and I'm like, you're in the movie for two scenes. Yeah. And it's like your intro and your death. He had more screen time in Iron Fist than he did he in this, did. right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> he did. All right, so let's talk about um, let's talk about the other death. Then, what did you feel about them killing Vanessa so early on? That's where. Go. No, I just thought. I mean, Caleb, you thought the first one was more emotional, so that's kind of our big disagreement. I thought this one got like almost too serious at points. You know, killing Vanessa and. And Cable's backstory type stuff. Um, yeah, I was surprised they went that far right out of the gate. I mean, just to, to, to follow up on that, though. But that was kind of it for me. To me, Vanessa humanizes Wade. He's such a, like, he's an indestructible, can't die, smart aleck, jokester character. But she made him human. She gave him something he could lose. She gave, like, their relationship is what made me kind of like him as a character in the first movie. And when they pulled her out, to me, he lost his humanity. And he just turned back into this, like, force of nature instead of a person. And so... But then the I, story... I don't know. Go ahead. But then the story was about... Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you on that. But then the story was about him working his way back to his humanity sort of yeah i don't know <laughs> i just wasn't i mean I, I here's what i would have if i was them what i would have done is i would have had vanessa be pregnant and then have an injury and she's like in the hospital and he's trying to cope with maybe losing her like to me that would have kept that connection because once she was gone i was like oh the person i really care about in these movies is dead now <laughs> so all right let's talk about domino and cable how did you guys feel like they did with those characters good Every time Cable spoke, I instantly heard Thanos. I couldn't I couldn't get over that. As much as I tried, I'm like, man, that sounds too close to Thanos. I thought uh, Zazie Beetz was great. I thought Julian Dennison. He, that kid. That kid's something else. I love that kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I would not mind watching a Domino movie. I thought she she did pretty well. I liked her. I liked her a lot. Um, and Cable only kind of reminded me of Thanos. But... I... I didn't mind the... I mean, like me, I always talk about, like, there's so many characters. I have a hard time with all of them. So I guess I really like that they introduced all the characters and then quickly got rid of some and I only had to, like, get to know and care for two for the movie. Um, and the boy. Um, so I enjoyed... I felt like Cable... I, I enjoyed his arc. Like, it might have been oversimplified, but in, like, the little Deadpool charm way that he was just very quickly turned around to being being a part of the gang. Like, there again, it's all simple and it's not too deep, and that made it easier. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. They say that they did reshoots to add more Domino because fans were loving the character. She was hardly in it. If that was more of her, they were totally underusing her before. And I'm glad that they added more in. I also thought it was interesting. Um, this was the movie that um, a stunt actress died, right? But she died in a motorcycle accident. And we never see Domino on a motorcycle in this movie, do we? I don't recall. The only no, she drove the convoy truck for a while, but I don't recall a motorcycle. All of this stuff, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just detective work. I feel like I bet that middle section, that convoy scene, I bet they significantly rejigged that because she was front and center in that scene, and so I wonder if they just totally redid her role in that to make her significantly more engaged and involved you know so but yeah i thought she was great i would love to see people have been talking about uh tessa thompson and chris hemsworth doing kind of buddy cop stuff i want to see zazie beats and tessa thompson do a buddy commie like like the two of them as cops or something like I, i think that the two of them would be really funny together um and they could go a lot of interesting ways so all right i did want to ask um Let's talk a little bit about the time travel and the end credit scene. Um, did it make did it make sense to you that Cable used his time travel to save way to save Deadpool? Like, given Deadpool's power, couldn't they have just ripped off the the neck thing, or like couldn't have Domino walked up and just knocked the net thing off and, and he would have healed himself? It seemed like using his last time travel was a very extreme measure that was not necessary. I think we shouldn't think about these movies too hard. <laughs> and by these movies, I mean the Deadpool movies. Yeah. Because <laughs> if he had done that, we wouldn't have gotten the post credit scenes. That's true. Yes. All right. So do you guys like the time travel or does it run the risk of trivializing what happened in the movie? It's a Deadpool movie. It's all trivial. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you have any thoughts on that, Adam? Yeah, anything really involving it, the cable stuff just didn't really work for me. I'm not sure 
if his I mean his motivation was clear uh, I don't know what it was it just it just didn't work for me um, the one cable thing that did work was Matt Damon and Alan Tudyk's cameo I had no <laughs> idea that was Matt Damon um, wait what was right it right when cable like travels back in time those two rednecks talking or they taught how to wipe their butts uh, or something, how to take a crap. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was Matt apparently Damon. That was Matt Damon. Yep. And it's not in the credit. It's the name of his character from like, um, oh, what's that movie did with Jude Law? The Talented Mr. Ripley? Yeah. Oh, really? So the name in the credits is Matt Damon's character in The Talented Mr. Ripley. It's not even, it doesn't even say Matt Damon. And was that actually Brad Pitt? Did he actually do a cameo? It was? Yeah, like that, that was looks really like Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. I yeah. wasn't sure if that was actually Brad Pitt. Apparently, Ryan Reynolds gave him a call, and he did it for scale. He just came in one day. They, you know, filmed five minutes, and they were done. It was the last scene they filmed. Hmm. I think what I'm learning, I'm just too old and serious and grumpy. For <laughs> the, you know, like I'm like. I, uh, I don't know. I guess what, as a comic fan, I like some of these things. I like these things to be treated a little bit like they're precious. Like what I love about MCU movies is that it's like when we're dealing with Captain America, we know that you're emotionally invested in Cap. And so we're going to treat him in a way that's like respectful of your emotional engagement. And it's just so stinking flippant with Deadpool that uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to get into. I mean, like, but Deadpool isn't as reverent and serious a character as Cap. I mean, Cap is based on doing the right thing and, you know, patriotism and, you know, all of these virtuous traits. Deadpool is Deadpool. I mean, it's not the same reverence to his character at all. So I don't mind his character. I don't mind him being inconsistent. I don't mind things being, I mean, especially even with the fourth wall breaking, you know, you know, yeah, we had to have him timed. You know, we had to have him save Deadpool so that he could be around for the sequel. Um, I don't mind that stuff with Deadpool. It's not precious. Deadpool is not precious. I mean, the precious part is that he is irreverent. Uh, the precious part to me is that it had same-sex relationships. It had, um, you know, what what I can appreciate about Deadpool is with all of the inappropriate jokes and the sexual topics and all of that, it never feels offensive for the sake of humor. It never feels like they are just picking on a character. I mean they made some jokes about the kid being plump or something to that regard. But even that felt somewhat, you know, not tasteful, but it, like it was never mean spirited. Yeah. It never felt mean spirited. And, you know, they, they, it's a very open and accepted and to have that much humor, that much dirty humor without being mean spirited, to me, is the value in Deadpool. Which I think I just went on a rant completely irrelevant to whatever we were talking about. No, that's yeah. that that makes me like it more than I liked it before. So. <laughs> 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 uh.
All right. Any other thoughts on Deadpool before we wrap it up? Well, how are you guys feeling? I mean, so the post credit scene, they went back and they fixed the original Deadpool. You know, they acknowledged that that was a thing that happened and shot him in the head. And then they went back and they fixed Ryan Reynolds being Green Lantern. Does that fix any of the continuity issues you guys have had? Oh, no, there's still bunches more of issues to fix. You better get to work. (laughs) It actually actually created new ones. Like when the the, uh, James McAvoy X-Men, like Nicholas Holt and James McAvoy and those guys appeared in that room. What year is that in? You know, like those guys lived in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Does Deadpool take place in the 80s or does Deadpool take place today? And if so, James McAvoy has not aged a more than a minute over 50 years. You know, like Professor X should be 72 in today's time. So and the, the Essex house, was that supposed to be a Mr. Sinister reference? And if so, is Mr. Sinister like the most referenced character to never actually <laughs> appear in a movie ever? I don't know. That's okay. I mean, if you think about it, this movie has a lot of comic book characters in it. And pretty decent role. I mean, Deadpool, Cable, Domino, you have Black Tom Cassidy and Juggernaut who aren't even, like, promoted, you know? And then you have the X-Men cameos and all that stuff. They were cosplayers. It was a room full of cosplayers <laughs> hanging out at the X-Mansion. Uh, I would have liked to see a little more of Black Tom myself, but that's because I'm a big Banshee fan, and I always feel like Banshee's gotten a short deal. Go watch the Generation X TV movie. That is that is a tragedy. That was Inhumans before Inhumans. I'll tell you. Anyway, don't get me started. <laughs> All right, we'll hit our mailbag real quick. Uh, Chris was talking on the SoundCloud post. Uh, he did not like the um, decanonization idea. He just feels like it's a bad precedent for Marvel, and so they should keep everything. To which I say, no, decanonize Inhumans. I want a good Inhumans movie. Uh, he did like the Inhumans X-Men breakdown that I did, the kind of difference between the two. And he also mentioned something I was going to mention. We talked about D-Man last week, Adam. Uh, he actually has a pretty big role in the Cap Falcon stuff. I don't know if you read any of that Secret Empire run-up where uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America. Demolition Man is a major character in that run, actually. So, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, somebody named Mastical, Mastical, I don't know, on SoundCloud, uh, referenced The Leftovers and how that was very similar to Infinity War. It's a show I keep hearing about that I need to watch. Uh, he's a little worried that Misty's arm is going to take all season to get there and Luke Cage, which I agree would be a mistake. Uh, with Captain Marvel, he's wondering if it's going to be like Interstellar, where she goes to a planet and is there for 10 minutes and then comes back. And it's 20 years later on Earth, which I think would be kind of interesting. If you've seen that movie, they talk about the relativity of space and time. So uh, I think it's probably more, though, that she has Cree blood and she never ages. Because I think that would be kind of interesting for Carol to come back and she's got 50 years of experience, but still physically can do what a 28-year-old can do. I think that would be a character, interesting character thing. Um, and also, uh, my theory that they were just going to grab, uh, Avengers from alternate timelines, uh, felt like that was a bad idea because Cap would not be okay just sacrificing all those trillions and trillions of people in the universe that died. 
And Alvin had the exact same problem. He's like, no, they have to more, they have to undo the snap more than that. Cause saving five out of like 8 trillion is not a satisfactory answer for the Avengers. So I think that's probably true. Alvin also said that he felt like fantastic four or X-Men might be the new franchise that Iger was talking about. I'm not sure if they're allowed to talk about that stuff. Because as Michael T. Ford III had told us on Twitter the other day, he kind of broke down the legal stuff with Fox. And that um, apparently he's been around for mergers and they really do like look through your inner communications and your emails and stuff to make sure that you haven't got ahead of yourself on a merger. And so we like, uh, I think Adam, you had asked if the stuff about Ego the Living Planet and Negasonic Teenage Warhead, that switch that they did if regulators would look at that and he goes, yeah, I'm sure that they'll talk about that. And like those relationships before. So that was interesting. Um, let's see. Indie film productions has been leaving comments on the YouTube videos. Uh, he said he liked the cartoony parts of Luke cage. Mr. Media, um, was also cringing with us on the eternals, uh, on Twitter. I don't think he's real excited about that either. Uh, and then I'll finish Jackhammer had a great idea, uh, of what they were going to do, um, at the end of, so in humans and a- agents of shield, apparently at the end of Inhumans, which I've already forgotten, there's like a message that's sent out from like the throne or something like that. And he was thinking that in season two would have the Cassius family coming to earth because the inhuman signal had come out. Like there'd be a relationship between the inhumans throne and Cassius. And that was going to be the connection point, which they'll now ignore because the show was not renewed, which I thought was a decent theory for that. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You guys can interact with us a lot of ways. You can send us messages on Twitter at Marvel news desk, or you can give us comments on our SoundCloud or Marvel posts each week. If you want to support the show, go ahead and give us a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. You'll get access to our special MCU film ranking episode, as well as uh, get uh, access to videos a little bit ahead of time, like our Road to Infinity War Supercut. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk, or subscribe to the YouTube channel, that's really helpful, at www.watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. You can also help the show be more visible to others if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes. The number one thing you can do every week, though, is uh, listen to the show and tell your friends about it. We really appreciate it when you do that. And thanks for listening to this one. Uh, Thank you to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find his music on a variety of social media platforms at The Skull School. Uh, As of now, I have no idea what we're going to talk about next week. We don't have any new content. I don't think we can talk about Infinity War anymore, realistically. Uh, we're getting close to cloak and dagger though. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. We'll talk about that. We can, if just so you know, we, uh, we're big time enough now that we apparently get screeners for some shows. So we're, we have the two of you have seen some of cloak and dagger, right? And they can't say anything about it legally or we'll get in trouble or something like that. But, um, anyways, they've seen it and they have thoughts and I will try to see it uh, soon, I think. And so maybe we will, uh, talk about it as Uh, my recording failed at that point. So that was the end of the pod. Anyways, see you guys later. See you. Talk to you later. Bye.
Dude, what if you guys have a baby? Oh, you can hear that? Sorry, that's outside. I should probably close my That's okay. Phone. I'm not worried about oh, it. It was, was just weird. I was like, was there's a baby and it's not mine. Uh, it's outside in the parking lot of the apartment complex. 